Who is Virginia for? Well, in the fall, it's for mountain dwellers and leaf peepers, apple pickers, cider sippers, trail running overachievers who all inevitably become spa soakers and fire sitters. Will someone get me a cozy flannel? I'm going where they are. As I was saying, Virginia is for all sorts of lovers. So come love it for yourself. It's time for some family fun as Jolly Shows rolls into the Marley Station Mall Wednesday, September 21st to Sunday, September 25th. Ride the Raptor, the Giant Wheel, or one of our great kitty rides on the Midway. Win a prize at one of the games. Taste some delicious carnival foods like funnel cakes, cotton candy, candy apples, or sausage and peppers. There is fun for the whole family. Get information and save big on ticket packages at MarylandCarnivals.com. That's right, MarylandCarnivals.com. Don't miss Jolly Shows at the Marley Station Mall September 21st to September 25th. Get your tickets today. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Guest Luke Michael Ironside, who is one of our favorite guests, and I think one of yours also. I can tell because his shows always do well, and his shows always do well sort of perpetually. Um, uh, there's been a recent surge, and I record this on September 10th, 2022. Um, and... Quite honestly, the, the show has doubled in size in the last month and and possibly even tripled because uh, I'm on another platform where I upload the shows directly to a particular website and people are listening to it actually from that website, which doesn't show on the other um, um, your other stats. Uh, and I'm on two, yeah, two other websites too where I, I don't have access to that information and frankly I haven't asked. 
Um, but if it's anywhere close to what what's happening on that other website, the the, the show might have quadrupled in the in the last couple of uh, uh, like in the last month, which is great. And I know that Luke's shows are doing well because I still show them in the top thirty, and they're not new shows. They keep popping up, and actually the numbers are going up, which means new listeners are not just listening once, they're going back and listening to new sh uh, old shows. So I thank all of the new listeners or newish listeners. I'm paying attention. Every one of you matters to me. Uh, please refer the show to your friends because it's sort of a guest, Luke Michael Ironside, who is one of our favorite guests, and I think one of yours also. I can tell because his shows always do well, and his shows always do well sort of per perpetually. Um, uh, there's been a recent surge and i record this on september 10th 2022 um and honestly the the show has doubled in size in the last month and and possibly even tripled because uh, i'm on another platform where i upload the shows directly to a particular website and people are listening to it actually from that website which doesn't show on the other um um your other stats uh, and I'm on two, yeah, two other websites too, where I, I don't have access to that information. And frankly, I haven't asked. Um, but if it's anywhere close to what what's happening on that other website, the the, the show might have quadrupled in the in the last couple of uh, uh, like in the last month, which is great. And I know that Luke's shows are doing well because I still show them in the top thirty, and they're not new shows. They keep popping up, and actually, the numbers are going up, which means new listeners are not just listening once, they're going back and listening to new sh old shows. So I thank all of the new listeners or newish listeners. I'm paying attention. Every one of you matters to me. Uh, please refer the show to your friends because it's sort of a genre-defined show. If you tell someone it's a cult, it's not always a cult. If you tell someone it's history, it's not always history. If you tell someone it's theosophy, it's not always theosophy. If you tell someone it's pop culture about monsters or cryptids, it's not always about those things either. So, uh, you know, I think it's a variety where all those things covered. Esoteric is the best term I, I can use, but maybe eclectic is even better. Anyway, I'm leaving our guest hanging here. So, Luke Michael Ironside, thank you so much for being back on the show. Uh, well, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm always happy to be back. And this has been a recurring sort of a gimmick for us, but every time I've spoken to you, you're somewhere else. So last time I spoke to you, you were in Armenia. Uh, where are you now, if not Armenia? Yes, well, now I'm in Nairobi, Kenya, where I'm working at a, a local technical college, um, developing a course on business English. That's wonderful. So for those of you who don't know, Luke, uh, you can probably tell from the accent, but he is from New Zealand, I think, originally. But in the, th I think this is your third show. Uh, so, you know, the first time you were in Brazil, the second time you were in Armenia, and now you're in Kenya. And, you know, and we've spoken in, in other, on other occasions in other places, and you've been in other places as well. And, and I think at least on one of the shows you sort of said, you know, when I was in Malta, <laughs> like, of course you were. So, um, anyway, so Luke is a fountain of information. But for those of you who don't know who he is, I'm going to give him a, a moment or so to introduce himself and, and give his his credentials. So, Luke, why don't you remind the folks who you are? Right. Well, I think uh, I'm a few different things. But 
in terms of esotericism, I've always had an interest in esoteric philosophy, particularly theosophy, but I've also had an interest in related fields such as hermeticism. Um, so I am quite involved with the Theosophical Society. Um, I served as the president of the Pranava Theosophical Lodge in the Philippines during my time living there. I've also been involved with the Virtual Center for Theosophical Studies and various other endeavors. Um, I'm also interested in esoteric Christianity. And so I'm involved with the Old Catholic Apostolic Church, and I'm currently serving as the General Secretary of the Old Catholic Education Society, which hosts online events uh, related to Old Catholic theology and liberal Catholic doctrines. Uh, so I'm very interested in, in Christianity, its history, its modern expressions, and specifically the esoteric side of Christianity, which I think is generally overlooked in mainstream denominations. So that's sort of me from the, the spiritual angle. Um, professionally, I'm interested in language, in linguistics, and the English language in particular, and I'm interested in education more broadly in theories and methodologies of education. I'm also... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, yes. Well, one one last sort of area I'm very interested in is uh, genealogy and family history. I'm really fascinated in this field, and recently I've become quite involved with that. Um, I'm serving as the Dean of the Society of the Descendants of the Conqueror, which is a lineage society for descendants of William the Conqueror and his wife, Matilda of Flanders. And I do some work for the Augustan Society in the USA in that capacity. And that's it, huh? Nothing else. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's there's always room for, for more. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in many different areas. And, and if I can get involved, if I can do something in these different areas, I, I like to, you know, I, I like to be practical. I, I like to, it's, it's all a learning experience. I'm a student in all of these areas and a master of none, but I like to be a practical student. So when I'm learning, I like to engage with the topic, engage with the area and, and get involved in some way as part of the, the learning experience. And you're also a cleric in the old Catholic church, right? That's right. I, I am a cleric in the, in the old Catholic apostolic church. And I think for those who don't know, when we say the old Catholic Church, we don't mean the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Pope in Rome. It's actually the old Catholic Apostolic Church, which is, uh, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to speak for anyone, but my understanding is that it's a modern church that uh, is trying to go back to the roots of uh, the first Christian semi-formalized churches rather than when everything became Catholic with a, a capital C, you know, for, formalized by Constantine, et cetera. It's a more, more closely uh, aligned with, you know, maybe what the, what, what Christ and the apostles, uh, you, you know, were doing contemporaneous and in the, you know, the generations after, uh, you know, AD 33. Certainly, yeah. So it's it's a back to roots church, but not in the sense that many conservative churches refer to themselves as as you know back to, or fundamentalist churches refer also refer to themselves as back to roots 
churches, but it's definitely not fundamentalist. In fact, while it's called the Old Catholic Apostolic Church, it was previously called the Liberal Catholic Apostolic Church, and it's it's really a part of both the Liberal Catholic tradition, which had roots uh, in theosophy, and the Old Catholic tradition, which broke from the the Roman Church over doctrinal issues. Yes, so it's a merger of the two, and Old Catholic Old, the Old Catholic Church is essentially Catholicism without the Pope. It was all about the infallibility of the Pope, which caused the break from the Church. Whereas liberal Catholicism is is a completely different analysis and understanding and approach to Christianity. It's definitely a return to roots and even a return to a basic reevaluation of of questions about the afterlife, the nature of Christ, the the, the nature of the priesthood. It's, it's a, a different approach to all of this, but it uses a lot of the Anglican language. The liberal Catholic Church was founded by two Anglicans, and um, so a, a lot of the language is Anglican. A lot of the ideas also are similar to, to those of the Church of England, um, whereas it's definitely more liberal, a bit more progressive, at the same time keeping the fundamental, most important aspects of Christianity at the heart. Okay, well that's, that's, that's a lot there, and I thank you for that, and hopefully folks can look into that if they're interested. And uh, Luke's been on the show periodically, so you can check out the prior shows, and he probably explains this uh, probably similarly, but you know, maybe more, or maybe just a little bit more to uh, supplement the information. Uh, and lastly, Luke is also involved in the same conference that I'm affiliated with, which is the NACON conference. So uh, it is a, I mean, you, if you are in London, there is a physical location, but it's mostly a virtual show. So uh, for those of you who are interested, it is, I believe, October 29th and 30th. Um, and tickets can be found, uh, and information, you don't have to go there just for tickets, you can see if you're interested first, but https colon backslash backslash capital N, capital A, capital C, lowercase o-n, so that's nacon dot capital E, event, uh, event bright is one word, capital E, V-E-N-T, B-R-I-T-E dot C-O dot com, C-O dot U-K. So that is information on the conference. If you're interested, um, hopefully you are. And I don't think the virtual tickets are particularly expensive. And uh, it, it seems like it's a two-day affair. Uh, so you'll get the content both days. And I think if you, uh, I think there's also uh, a way afterwards to purchase it uh, perennially so that you always have it. Anyway, today's topic is hermetism. And hermetism is one of those words I've heard but never really know exactly what it means. I still don't, which is why Luke is here. It is not related directly to Hermes, the uh, Greek uh, god, the, the, the messenger of the gods. Uh, I'm not sure if it's directly related. I know it's not related to the French fashion house Hermes. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if it's related to uh, who's sometimes described as Toth Hermes, Hermes or Hermes the Atlantean. Um, perhaps it is, I, you know, or at least those philosophies are. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think that the whole Atlantean thing sort of is trying to talk about universal truth as a mother, uh, mother culture. Um, so maybe there's the connection. But those are just my musings at this point. I have an expert here on it. I know he says he's not an expert, but he is. Um, 
So, Luke, why don't you tell us about Hermetitus, and, and you're the teacher, so I guess you can sort of take it from the top. What's the name all about? And, and I guess, you know, start from the main precepts. Right, certainly. Well, first of all, Hermeticism, to, to understand Hermeticism, we want to go into the roots of the word. And as a, you know, as a language teacher, I like to do that, as we've done in previous shows. So, yes, Hermeticism comes from the name of Hermes, Hermes Trismeg Trismegistus. And now he's a bit of a mysterious figure. And what we would perhaps call a, a legendary or semi-legendary figure, uh, historically speaking. And to understand who Hermes Trismegistus was, we need to understand the culture of the time. So, essentially, this was a time when there were two great nations, two, two, two great civilizations, um, sort of at the at the head of sort of philosophy and religious thinking. And, and these were Greece and Egypt, right? Which would later go on to influence and have this huge impact on Rome, the Roman, Roman Republic, the Roman Empire. And then obviously through that onto Christianity and through that onto the Western world and onto to modern civilization. So really we're going back to the roots of civilization to understand what Hermeticism is. And the this mysterious figure, Hermes Trismegistus, he was a syncretic figure. He was he was a merger of the Greek god Hermes and the Egyptian god Thoth. So it was a merger of these two gods in this kind of philosopher figure. And he, he's sometimes referred to as the first philosopher. Now mm. there's there's different kind of perspectives on how historical he was or how legendary he was. Certain religious systems see him as a historical figure. And you can find him in particular in mentioned in Islam, where he's, he's a figure mentioned in, in Islamic uh, writings, and also in the Baha'i religion, which is a more modern, uh, re recent, uh, syncretic religion. Um, but... Essentially, he, he may or may not have existed, and that's not really so important. I always think the historicity of a person is, is not the not the important aspect. What's important are the ideas which lie beyond the either historical or legendary figure. And we find the same ideas with, say, to, to take a more sort of well-known figure, we, we could compare Hermes Trismegistus to the figure of Christ, mm -hmm. in that Christ is, is also a semi-legendary figure, in that while he almost certainly existed, and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that he did, um, the, the nature of Christ, and, and who Christ was, what Christ said, what Christ did in the, you know, the 30 years before the, the the, the Bible um, speaks of him, it, it's all kind of unknown, right? And Hermes Trismegistus is similar in that he's a figure who's had a huge impact on the world, but his origins or his historicity are unknown. It's the same, it's the same as Christ in that sense. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of figures in what we call history that it's not quite clear that they were historical. I mean, not just Christ, there's Moses. Um, so 
to a lesser extent Arthur, but when you were describing yeah. uh, Hermes Trismegistus, I hope I pronounced that even close, uh, I was thinking Merlin, you know, sort of the, the you know, the, the, the philosopher that went from place to place and, um, you know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe like the Dalai Lama, the title was passed along. Apparently Merlin means magician. I don't know. This is a sort of an aside, but are you familiar with the work of Ralph Ellis? No, I, the name doesn't ring a bell, actually. Okay. That, 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 that's fine. It, it, Ralph's from the UK. He... I've recorded a show with him, but it hasn't dropped yet because we're going to do two parts, and I think I'm going to, you know, drop one right before the new year and one right after the new year, basically. And we're back, folks. We had a, a disconnection on Luke's side, and then we had some technical difficulties on my side. But uh, I, I was doing my uh, public meanderings about heaven and hell and angels and demons. So if it was a, you know, Christian hermeticism, Jewish, Jewish hermeticism, uh, Islamic. Hermeticism and my, in fact, have those things, but her, Hermeticism itself doesn't necessarily have the heaven and hell. I don't think we got a definitive answer on angels and demons, but I, I, I assume it's the same. that what, Whatever your other faith is, uh, that is supplemented by your Hermeticism or completed or vice versa, that, that those concepts would fit into Hermeticism equally. Right, exactly, yes. I, I, I think that's, uh, you know... The basic sort of nature of hermeticism, of it being universal, it can therefore take on a variety of forms, and it's only natural that it will. So it deals only with these universal principles. Therefore, it it is essentially quite basic in its in its principles and its ideas. They are basic. They they don't have so many of the mythological clothings as other belief systems might. Is there, uh, I mean, I know we already established that there's no sort of priests or lodges. If, is there some uh, hierarchy, some guide, some pastor in Hermeticism that when someone comes in from another religion, they say, okay, here's here's the things that, that are universal in your religion and our belief systems and we want to slowly get you to this line, to, to this universal truth, or is it's none of that. It's, it's you believe what you want to believe. Uh, God already knows what's going to happen anyway. So it's, it's all, you know, it's all good. We want you to, we want everyone to be good and adhere to universal truths uh, and love thy neighbor, but we're not really trying to do conversions. Yeah, I, I'd say it's, it's much more the sort of, the latter, in the sense that Hermeticism doesn't attempt to convert, it's usually been more of a mystery school throughout the ages, and as a result, the it doesn't seek converts. The, definitely the beliefs would not be pushed on anyone. In fact, the Hermetic principles in most, let's say, Hermetic groups which exist or have existed would be taught the individual's beliefs would not be questioned, but the individual would be encouraged to question their own beliefs. Okay. It's very much an individualistic uh, philosophy in the sense that you don't have to fit in. You're not expected to accept any one thing just because it's a hermetic principle. Uh, a hermeticist would be encouraged to evaluate their own previous beliefs to consider whether they are compatible or not with their own studies of hermeticism and then to make the decision whether to 
to stay as a hermeticist or to to move on to a different path without judgment. Okay. Um, so it's sort of since it's all accommodating, I mean, I can see why it's it's appealing to you know a lot of people involved in esoteric beliefs and and you know occult beliefs. Which you know, by the way, occult doesn't always mean witchcraft and and. Uh, I'm talking to the audience now, you know, Luciferianism or, or something it just means more hidden and, and often it's talking about universal truths, which is very similar. So I, I, you know, I could see why it would be attractive, you know, in fact, or just for, for branding purposes. Right. Certainly. Yes. So it's esoteric or cult in the sense that there it's the hidden side of religion is the hidden side of of for example the basic beliefs found in christianity or in hinduism or in buddhism and it's esoteric in the sense that esoteric can also refer to that which is universal okay well i think i understand the 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 concept of hermetic uh, hermeticism is there anything else on it that's so you know big that that the audience should know about it uh, and if not, maybe you can give them three or four minutes on what your presentation Nacon will, you know, sort of the high pines to try and uh, sell that a little bit. Sure. Um, well, one last point about while we're discussing hermeticism, perhaps uh, the most well-known hermetic organization which has ever existed was the, or is the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, of course. So this was a very famous, uh, commonly just called the Golden Dawn, very famous fraternal society, sometimes referred to as a secret society, which was founded in the, the late 19th century. Um, so this, this is very well known due to its connections to such figures as Aleister Crowley, of course, and also it had a huge influence on Wicca and on Philema, and there are multiple maybe dozens of uh, current orders which claim you know lineage from the from the golden dawn but the golden dawn was a hermetic order but it was uh let's say modern for the time you know uh, in the, the late 19th century interpretation of hermeticism but perhaps this was the the best known and maybe the most influential hermetic order to have existed so, but the Golden Dawn and that and that and, and Hermeticism generally has no relationship to what people often refer to as, refer to as the Great Reset, right? That's that's different entirely. Sorry, to the Great Reset. The Great Reset. Um, no, that's that's not a. It, yeah, I, I'd say that, that there's no relationship between those concepts, from my understanding of each of them. No, no, the. The Golden Dawn was, it's a hermetic organization which applied hermetic principles in a specific fashion in the sense that it was one interpretation of hermeticism. And again, it, it was an order which didn't have any secret goals or aims. You know, you, you often hear the golden dawn referred to in conspiracy theories as a secretly you know satanic or secretly luciferian group or a group which attempted to influence global politics and all these types of things um none of that was true they they were and continue to be a simple hermetic order focused very much on personal spiritual development 
Okay, I mean, that's what I thought, and that's sort of what I was getting at. I want to make sure I was right and also have someone else say it without leading them to it. Um, yeah, because, you know, a lot of times you hear, a, 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 you know, a phrase like the golden dawn, which sounds perfectly lovely, right? Uh, and but, but the way it's used, it's sort of twisted into, like, it's almost hiding something evil. Like, you call yourself the, sure. the, the organization for peace, but really you're just trying to kill everyone. Uh, but you call yourself the organization for priests. Or I mean, you know, Paul, you see that on com- political ads all the time here in the in the United States, where one or an organization names itself so that it sounds like it's for something that it's almost diametrically opposed to. Uh, if you look to the candidates or the ads or you know, and, and whatever. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Um, so fascinating stuff. Uh, I, I knew almost nothing about what hermeticism was and. Uh, you know, hopefully the audience didn't either, or if they did, that this, you know, uh, helped um, reinforce some of their understandings. Uh, and as always, if anybody feels like they have a counterpoint there, they can reach out to me. I'm easy to reach. Uh, Twitter or Facebook are probably the easiest places. The Garden of Doom has a web page. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Facebook page. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at IcarusFellMD. Um so very easy to reach, and I'm generally pretty responsive as long as I know that you're uh, a real person and not trying to sell me, you know, something only fans. Um, so back to the Nacon thing. What what in general is your presentation going to be on? So the you know why would people want to pay to hear you if they're not already convinced by this uh, fantastic show and the Lilla show and the theosophical underpinnings of Lucifer, which uh, over a year later still is one of the most popular shows monthly. Right. Well, yeah, I've I've actually been asked to expand. Uh, Yes, are we connected? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've actually been asked to expand on my last year's topic, which was about the esoteric understandings of Nephilim. So last time I focused more specifically on the theosophical understandings of Nephilim and what we find spoken about in the secret doctrine and in other theosophical texts i also went into a bit of mythology uh this time i'm going to be expanding that i'm going to be talking about some of the other esoteric perspectives i'll be broadening it to esotericism in general um not hermeticism as such because hermeticism actually doesn't really have anything to say about you know uh, other beings and it, it, it's less spoken of in the fundamental Hermetica, um, but I will be expanding it to discuss, you know, other esoteric ideas about uh, Nephilim and going into a bit more detail about the, the Theosophical perspective and what the secret doctrine says. So really I'll be considering both the mythological interpretation and also more literal interpretations, such as scientific interpretations, and I'll also be looking at a more spiritual interpretation as well. Excellent. And audience who always hears me talking about the Nephilim, I'm not going to. Um, You can listen to the prior shows. New audience members, there's tons of shows where we cover the Nephilim and related topics, but more importantly, uh, purchase your tickets to the virtual conference, and you can hear lots of different perspectives, including Luke's, which will be magnificent, but you're going to hear lots of different stuff from people who don't necessarily agree with each other in, in one place. So it's going to be very interesting. 
Um, indeed. Uh, Luke, if people want to follow you or support you in any way, is there any way they should, could, or would do that? Right, well, currently I'm, I'm mostly just active on Facebook, and my Facebook is public in the sense that I, I often use my Facebook for public announcements about upcoming talks or courses or other experiences or my works. Um, so yes, uh, Facebook would be the easiest way to follow any of my upcoming events and so on. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, but I'm much more active on Facebook. So that would be my recommendation. Okay, wonderful. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much. Definitely follow Luke, and hopefully you can follow me, and I hope that you learned something today. I know I sure did, and we will hear from you next week in the Garden of Doom. I remember booking a canoeing trip on Bear Lake. 
with Viator. I remember my wife's sweet smile, taking me back to us canoeing in summer camp. I remember thinking, my oh my, this moment is nothing short of perfect. I remember turtles. We all remember things differently. What's important is that they're worth remembering. From canoeing to the Coliseum, you can book it all. Use code Viator10 in the app for 10% off your first booking. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated. Like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply.